You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. A, babies probably shouldn't have popcorn. <laughs> it's a joking hazard. B, babies are filthy. They got their hands in their mouth all the time. They're full of drool. and they didn't. No, I don't share food with babies. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news. And sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is Set. We are back in the saddle, and we are, of course, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Brazilian Tie. How was your little break from two and out? Um, it wasn't much of a break. I basically tried to catch up on all the stats that we were falling behind on. So you worked harder. <laughs> uh, work is a loose term okay 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 uh i am I'm, I'm one of the crazy ones I, I can't just go on holidays and do nothing uh to me that just seems defeating the purpose so uh, i spent a little bit of time in uh, jasper national park i went to abbotsford vancouver i saw the lions and the riders game uh saw bc lions den brian warrition out there had a great time he invited me into uh they had a birthday party in a private box at BC Place. Got a few uh, free Stella Artois out there. So uh, thanks to him for inviting me in the box. But man, on Saturday, uh, this is hard to believe, man. But when I go to the mountains, I go to work. And uh, I went hiking Wilcox Pass. It's near uh, the Columbia Ice Fields in uh, Jasper National Park. Now, this thing is eight kilometers round trip. And uh, if you're a National Parks fan in Canada, they've set out these kind of red chairs at the most scenic views across the country in all the national parks. And I had one more red chair to do, and it was this hike in Jasper. We made it to the chairs, and they're probably three-quarters of the way through the hike, and I'm thinking, ah, we'll probably turn around here. But (laughs) if you look up the hill which was basically probably another kilometer and a half straight up the mountain, there were there was a herd of bighorn sheep. And uh, I figured, ah, let's go get some pictures of these sheep. <laughs> well, they did not like me. <laughs> you probably scared them. They thought you were a bear. Dude, maybe that's what happened. Well, some of them were okay, but this big ram comes out of the bush. And he's looking at me, and I'm not feeling it. <laughs> And I don't think he's feeling it. And then he puts his head down and he's rubbing his his horns on a uh, on a little pine tree there. And I'm like, "Ah, he's probably telling me that I need to get out of here. And then he, he stops with the tree. He steps out and he looks at me and he takes one step. And Taylor, and I'm like, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) This thing's going to send me off the mountain. And uh, my wife bless her was not afraid at all but man i i never went down a mountain so fast (laughs) (laughs) this is the this is the difference me and you have very differing ideas of what to do on holidays (laughs) What, what do you do everybody that listens to this knows exactly what I do on days off. Okay, yeah, that's true. You play the BLTs (laughs) with some whiskeys and uh, Ryan gingers, right? Uh, And and you know maybe the odd, the the odd day of you know maybe some physical activity. Like, <laughs> what's what's physical know, activity in Brazilian Ties book? <laughs> walking back to get my truck. Join two and out for CFL fantasy and CFL pickup, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pickem.cfl.ca. We start Friday. The Montreal Alouettes have their first two-game win streak since the end of the 2016 season. I guess that streak went into last year, and it was technically four regular season games in a row. But they beat the Red Blacks 21-11. And this Alouettes team looks like they're, they're completely unrecognizable 
with Antonio Pipkin at the helm. Well, now they're not. Well, not that they were a one-dimensional offense. They they didn't have an offense before. It seemed, um, yeah. you know, week to week. Drew Willie, not exactly your prototypical CFL quarterback. Uh, didn't seem to matter who they put in there. The offense was anemic. Uh, Manzel did provide somewhat of a spark. You know, he he's able to to scramble and and make make things happen with his feet. But Pipkin can do that too. And you know, Pipkin got his chance with the injury to Manzel and is showing that that he can be a starting quarterback in this league. It's yet to see if this if he keeps this up. Um, that who knows. But um, with with the added benefit of him being able to move around in the pocket and having a throwing a passing game that, you know, seems to be a little bit better than it was with any other quarterback. I mean, Ernest Jackson had 80 yards, which is something we haven't seen for feels like three years. Um, you know, yeah. it's nice to see. <laughs> it is nice to see as much as we call Montreal a dumpster fire, uh, just to kind of see them start to turn it around here, hopefully. They're in such a weird spot now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they make this massive trade for Johnny Manziel, and of course, there was all that hype when Manziel arrived, and I mean, of course, uh, he's a known uh, commodity, and people were buying his shirts, buying his jerseys, they wanted to see him play, they booed Vernon Adams for not playing him, but now they've got two wins off of Pipkin, I mean, it, <laughs> he goes 18-27, to 27. there were two interceptions, but he, he he damages teams on the ground as well. He had nine carries for 75 yards and a rushing touchdown as well. But he just makes things happen. Darius Bowman had five catches. B.J. Cunningham had eight for 107. Jackson, there was a perfect 50-yard completion to him, which is, you're right, the most we've seen from him in a long, long time. So, I mean... They're in a really weird spot. I, I got to assume they're going to be playing Pipkin until they lose again. And then, oh, I know Manziel's had the concussion, but they're probably going to go back to him, you know, if Pipkin loses, aren't they? With what they paid for Manziel. Oh, yeah. We know, we know the, that Canadian depth, you need it to win in this league. It It's, it's a fact. It, you have to have it. Um, maybe not so much um, depth as it is Canadians who don't hurt your lineup. Um, you know, you don't have to have 20 guys that are all going to be uh, starter caliber. But, you know, the amount of draft picks they give up for this guy, if they don't play him, it seems like a complete waste. Um, oh, I know yeah. I know, you want to win football games and Pipkin's doing that. Cavis Reed is not going to look good if Manziel is not starting when he's healthy. So, so far this season, the Owls' defense has been giving up a lot. Uh, I know the defensive line was very inexperienced, but they make some moves. Gabe Napkin gets cut out of BC. He comes in, makes two tackles. John Bowman hurt his bicep a few weeks ago. He's already back. He had a sack in this one. Jesse Joseph... Uh, he was making a lot of noise on the defensive line there. He had a sack in this one as well. So the defensive line was doing their job. I, I think, I, I still believe Montreal is a good linebacking core with Aki, Muamba, Cox had eight tackles in this one. Uh, Tommy Campbell hasn't done what they hoped, uh, especially considering what he did in Calgary the last couple of years. But Tavon Campbell comes in. He He had a rough penalty. And you know what? Uh, Montreal tried to give away this game at the end. They tried <laughs> their best. <laughs> I mean, I know Ottawa just couldn't get it done. Uh, Montreal was taking all those penalties. Uh, the last drive of the game, they basically gave Ottawa the entire field, and then Ottawa does not give the ball to the league's second-leading rusher. He actually only had nine carries and uh, 5.6 yards a carry in this game, so it's not like Powell wasn't doing anything. But if you're down 10 and you've got almost two minutes left and you're at the three-yard line, you have to give Powell at least one carry to punch the ball and to give your team a shot to get back in this thing. Yeah, Don't get me started on William Powell not getting the ball. Yeah, I, I began to realize the players that you were ranting on were the guys that you had on your fantasy team. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, it was not a good week for me. Uh, but no, he 
<laughs> fantasy fantasy stats aside, like you said, second leading rusher in the league. He's got to get the ball. Um, you know, he at that point, I know Ellingson had 114 yards, but Powell is your most consistent offensive threat, and he doesn't get a touch. Like you got to score points there, or you got to get a touchdown there, and you know, make it easier on on your team. But it. I mean, 50 yards of nine carries, I don't know how you go away from the guy at that point. That makes no sense. Yeah, they just needed a score to give themselves a shot to get back mm-hmm. in this thing. And I know Trevor Harris was under pressure a lot of the game. And I think the young, inexperienced offensive line in Ottawa is kind of catching up to them a little bit. They they had a great game uh, against... Calgary earlier in the year against Saskatchewan earlier in the year. Some great defensive lines, but they kind of struggled here. And I don't know if Trevor Harris was, you know, feeling or hearing those footsteps uh, and rushing throws sometimes, but uh, it's been preached for a, a long, long time, and this is the a big year for Trevor Harris. They only gave him the one-year contract going into this season. Um, He needs to be consistent. Nobody is doubting his talent, and he's got the weapons to make it happen in Ottawa. But going 25 of 46, 270 and an interception, you got some nice yards there, but that's not going to get it done. He needs to be more consistent if uh, this team wants to finish first in the East and they want to get to that great cup. It's not only consistency game to game, it's consistency within the game. Yeah. They'll have a drive where, where he looks like the top quarterback in the league, and the next drive, he looks like Neilon Green, where he, he can't hit a receiver to save his life. Ryder Neilon Green, not Eskimo Neilon yeah, Green. <laughs> no. Or, yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know what's going on there. He's been streaky his entire career. It just seems something that he can't shake or, or since he's become a starting quarterback. Um, they they need to figure something out. And like you said, they only gave him a one-year contract. Um, a little bit of that probably has to do with the CBA. Yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, who, who, who else on that roster right now can take over starting duties? I think his job is pretty secure. Yeah, his job like, is secure. Like I don't think there's any pressure on him. No, they'd have to bring somebody in to take his spot. So I don't see him not getting re-signed once the CBA is ratified. But, um, you know, if somebody does become available, I I would almost take, like, six of the other eight quarterbacks in this league over Trevor Harris right now just because of the consistency of their game. I, I can't see Ottawa, you know, just cutting bait with him. But no. uh, he has to make it happen uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, I beaten a dead horse a little bit here, but uh, Sinopoli, he had 10 targets, only the five catches. Ellingson, 13 targets and uh, eight catches there. But a lot of those are uh, flying overheads. They're, they're underthrown a little bit. And you know what? Next week he can come out and throw 450 yards. It's just the, the type of player he is, mm-hmm. I guess. Throw 450 with four four touchdowns and a pick and everybody forgets about this week. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. do that for two weeks in a row and then another three weeks of, of this. Um, yeah, like just no consistency. Uh, East division though, you can get away with it right now. Um, you know, these other teams you think would eventually, well, the whole East division, you would think it would some, at some point turn the corner. Uh, Hamilton's playing really good right now too. So um, Ottawa's really got to, Really got to figure this out and pick it up if they want to host that East final. I guess we got to talk about Kyrie Bear, who took another shot at BJ Cunningham shocker. in this one. I know, shocker, right? I, I just he, he has been suspended for two games, and I, I don't know if you saw Nick Lewis's tweet because uh, he was basically talking about uh, Henry Burris and uh, Burris calling for him to get more games but yeah it is part of the cba these guys aren't making uh you know a a ton of cash the quarterbacks are making 400 500k bear is not but at the same time a lesson has to be learned here and two games whether people want it to be more serious or not is actually a pretty serious suspension when it comes to football yeah that 
that is it's huge. Uh, you know, those those two games can be the difference in missing a playoff spot. Um, quite frankly, we see it in the NFL all the time too. Um, you do the math, you're, you're missing one yeah. ninth of your season. Um, you know, one ninth of the season in the NHL is nine games, right? Same and baseball is sixteen. Uh, it, it's, it's a, a big joke portion when of your uh, schedule. pitchers in baseball get suspended for five games, but they, they don't even miss a start. <laughs> yeah, they just juggle around the starting rotation. Um, but Nick Nick Lewis did raise a good point that um, that I'd never actually thought of this before tonight. Um, and I don't want to call the league out on anything. I'm not trying to do that. But you don't necessarily have to get hit in the head to sustain brain trauma. Right. It, it can it can be whiplash. It can be any number of things. Um, you know, they're trying to minimize that. I get that. Um, but for people to just tee off on Kyrie's I don't like the guy I, I've I, we've 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 not hidden that fact I, I don't like the way he plays um what I want him on my team probably because guys are going to be scared to go over the middle do I agree with the way he plays no um but if but he played in the 80s and 90s nobody's talking about this that 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 those are highlight reel hits back then oh yeah and, and Milt, Stie- Milt Stiegel said it on, on the panel today these hits are not accepted anymore um, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks uh, until, you know, it, it's got to be systematic. It, it has to start at the, the, the lower levels of football, teaching kids how to tackle without leading with their head. And, and eventually, I don't think we'll ever fully eliminate it. I, I still think people are going to do it, but we can curb it. Um, mm-hmm. And play, plays like that were just are just unnecessary. And, and a repeat offender, two games, I get... Um, but at at some point, you would think he gets it. And he even said earlier this year, you know, I have have all these tackles and five of them have cost me money. And it's like, well, maybe you need to learn from those because he obviously hasn't. And that's just what pisses me off is that he keeps doing it and, you know, calls guys soft and stuff like that in regards to John Cornish. He's going to end somebody else's career um, if if he doesn't change the way he plays. And it's going to be a, it's a shame that that's going to happen. Ottawa, BC is suddenly going to be a really interesting game for Friday Night Football. We move on to uh, the Labor Day Classic between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Our guest, Labor Day Weekend uh, Classic. The Riders win 31-23, to and this makes it, you know, three close games to wrap up Labor Day Weekend. Whoa! <laughs> mm-hmm. the, I I really wasn't sure which way this game was going to go until the fourth quarter. It was a fun one. Yeah, it, and it was smash mouth. Like the, I don't know if the teams necessarily hate each other, but <laughs> you know, we our buddy Neely he goes to all the Labor Day classics. Uh, we know the fans don't get along. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe it, I don't I don't think it's as visceral as as people tend to think it is there is no, a disdain it, and a dislike between the fan bases you're not gonna it's not it's not giants dodgers you're not gonna start fights and start curb stomping people um it's a friend it's it's a friendly robbery uh you know now they're back in the same division is huge uh but that energy from from the stands definitely translates onto the field i think in this one for sure oh the energy from this regina calgary and hamilton uh, every single year is awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, man, I, I've seen more and more comments on it. Um, should sh- should the league consider rotating the host for the Labor Day Classic? But I think we're at the point we're fifty, sixty years in. I really don't think that has to change. I I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, like I, I get I get the tradition aspect and and not wanting to change it. That way, uh, but you look at Auburn, Alabama. They they flip back and forth uh, for the Iron Bowl every year. Um, I know they only play each other once, but um, stuff like that in college football. You know, you, you switch uh, every year hosting. Um, I think, well, it, it's tough because if until the Atlanta team comes in, there's going to be a team coming into the Labor Day games that's on a bye. Yeah. Uh, I, I 
But I that team was that a losing a team this year. <laughs> yes, that, I know. I know. It, it's still it's still not an ideal situation. Um, I I wouldn't mind it being flipped. That being said, it's it's tough because so many fans get used to it. Um, you know, I, it, it's it's I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird that they don't because you think that. You know, either each game in each stadium would, you know, or not each game, but like the Labor Day game would be a huge draw. But the the rematches are just as big, uh, just as big of a of a game as the Labor Day games are because you know teams are playing within their division. It, it's down to crunch time. You know, you got to start making your move for playoffs now. Uh, so I I don't know if it needs to be changed. It would be kind of cool for it to bounce back and forth, but I don't think it needs to be. And uh, that's exactly why I think it really doesn't matter because the the rematches don't mean any less. I, I really no. don't think they do, uh, especially you know in Winnipeg. It's 15 years now that uh, the Banjo Bowl thing uh, came about with Troy Westwood, but it is still just as big as ever. The Bomber fans bring it in Winnipeg uh, that week just as much as the Ryder fans bring it on uh, Labor Day, the, the same in Edmonton as well um, with uh, uh, this year. I think they're doing it free for kids. Uh, Edmonton fans want to beat Calgary just as bad as the other way around. So uh, I, I, I really don't really think it has to change. I know sometimes in the past few years, um, Hamilton and Toronto, it, it's been changed up more than I would like because I, I, I think that one has more history than just about any of the other Labor Day matchups. But they're gonna they're gonna go toe to toe right away again here too. So these games they don't lose any meaning. I, I absolutely uh, I absolutely love it. The the Ryder offense really couldn't do anything uh, until it really mattered. Uh, they did nothing in uh, the first half. And I, I just don't know, as far as fantasy goes, what do we do with uh, the Ryder running back situation? Um, you, you think Trey you Mason don't pick is going to Trey keep... Mason. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looks like he's getting better and better every week. He, 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 a lot of times, he's more explosive than he has been at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. He's figuring out that zone read uh, run that you see in the CFL, and it'll easily get you, you know, six yards here and there. But when Marcus Thigpen comes in, he just makes things happen. Five carries, 55 yards. He also had uh, two catches for 37 and a touchdown on that as well. So how do you not give him the ball? Yeah, and like. I looked at the depth chart. I needed a cheap option. I took Trey Mason. He's in the starting lineup. Got what two series, and then Thick Pen takes over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why do I keep? Why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> we, we know. We know Thick Pen's going to get the, the touches. We know he's he's gonna. Uh, he can make stuff happen on the, like he averaged eleven yards. He had fifty five yards on five carries, receiving touchdown, th- two for two catches for thirty seven yards. Uh, you know, whenever he touches the ball, he seems to make things happen. Uh, he's still not super expensive. Um, so until, you know, Trey Mason is given more of a consistent opportunity, I'd, I'd stay with Thigpen. At uh, what point do uh, we pick Nick Marshall in fantasy? Uh, when he's actually put on the website. I don't know <laughs> if he is yet. I've said it before on this podcast. I hate when teams change up their packages close to the goal line, but I love what they do with uh, Nick Marshall there. He has two rushing touchdowns in this one, but they were not getting those uh, first downs on the short yardage plays convincingly. They were having a lot of trouble, and you know what? I'm sure Bomber fans will argue a couple of them. Uh, that mm-hmm. it, it didn't look like that, some of those were first chain, downs. That oh, yeah. chain was pretty slack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to enrage anybody, but that was probably a really cheap first down. Uh, some newcomers are making uh, a lot of noise for Saskatchewan in the receiving core. Kyron Moore comes in. He had three catches for 42 yards, but he also had the big return for a touchdown, maybe giving uh, Christian Jones 
uh, a little bit of competition. Back at uh, returner as well, Shaq Evans only had the one catch for 13 yards. Some butterfingers in there for a couple of these guys. Uh, they're not really helping out their quarterback a lot. Good to see Naaman Roosevelt get uh, involved a lot more. Seven catches for 86. And Jordan Williams-Lambert, four for 65. And including that big one on about a second and three late in the game. It was a pretty ballsy call for the Ryder OC, McAdoo. But when they executed it, it was like, yeah, they're going for the win on Labor Day, and they made it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and an interdivision game, uh, you're playing basically for second place because if you know if you win yeah. this football game, Edmonton's probably losing on on Monday afternoon. Uh, go big or go home, in my opinion. I, I loved it. And <laughs> that's a big thing for Saskatchewan. It's been talked about – their record against the West Division since Chris Jones has come in as coach it has not been pretty. But now this is three West wins in a row. BC, Calgary, and now Winnipeg. They're going into the Banjo Bowl. I don't expect them to win uh, that one because <laughs> uh, that offense, they, if they yeah. struggled at home, they're going to struggle at Investors Group Field. The defense is still doing their thing. Charleston Hughes, what else is new? He gets himself another sack. Willie Jefferson gets another sack and Ed Ganey wraps up the game with an interception his first of the year which is kind of hard to believe considering what he did last year yeah uh <laughs> my four four of those came in one game yeah let's not get yeah. too ahead of ourselves uh but you but you bring up up the division record um with Saskatchewan going three and only these last three games Winnipeg's now one and four inside the west division not good this this was a team that went 12 and six last year and hosted a playoff game. That this something something needs to give, and a lot of people are going to say that it's Matt Nichols. I, I don't agree with that. Um, a lot of people are going to say that Richie Hall needs to be fired. I probably do agree with that, but something does have to change because one and four inside the West is not going to get you very far. Well, and I think part of the Bombers' success is uh, the continuity on the offensive line, but also in the coaching staff. Um, mm-hmm. When when teams are switching their coaches every single year, that, that says something as well. And I think that's why sometimes there's been a lot of inconsistencies across the CFL for uh, a lot of teams over the last little while. But I think the Bombers were missing uh, a lot of experience in that receiving core without Weston Dressler uh, this time around. They had True. a lot of inexperience in there but I think what really surprised me about the Bombers in this one is the way that they were able to run against the Ryder defense no other team in the league has been able to do it like that this year but Winnipeg ran all over them and that's why this game was as close as it was and Winnipeg they felt like they were in control for most of it, really, until Saskatchewan put up the two touchdowns in uh, the, the fourth quarter. But that all has to do with Andrew Harris. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, no other team has been able to do this. No other team has Andrew Harris. Yeah. Um, we we both we talked about it before before the game, and it was like, uh, you know, Andrew Harris, $10,000, probably not a good bet. Um, you know, th- this rider run defense has been stout. They, they get in there, they disrupt the offensive line, they disrupt offenses, and then Andrew Harris comes out and has a day. Averages over 10 yards a carry. Yeah. Uh, may, only made one catch, and, you know, almost single-handedly, it seemed, other than that Strebler to Darwin's touchdown, uh, you know, single-handedly kept kept Winnipeg relevant in this one because um, I know Saskatchewan's offense wasn't that good, but the, the defense without Andrew... If it wasn't for Andrew Harris, the defense for the Riders would have been able to completely shut down this team. Well, LaFrance came in, uh, fumbled the ball. Nichols had two mm-hmm. interceptions, including the final one. And he goes 14-26, 166 yards, two picks and a touchdown. Not the easiest uh, situation on a Labor Day class- Classic on the road. But uh, all of a sudden, with the losses mounting in Winnipeg, they're under five hundred. I know a lot of people want to see Chris Strebler in there. Is it time? 
I don't think you do that right now. Uh, if they lose the Banjo Bowl. No, that's a different story. I would not want to put him back in against Saskatchewan. Um, that this with Jefferson Hughes and Zach Evans on that front on that front line that that's not something I want a rookie going up against. Um, we haven't seen him take too many deep shots down the field to, to kind of stretch that defense out and maybe take pressure off of of his old line where you know maybe they can't the defense can't just pin their ears back and come after come after him. But I wouldn't be throwing him to the wolves just yet. Uh, we did a vote on uh, Twitter, 143 votes, 62% say go with Streveler in the Banjo Bowl, but I don't think we've seen Nichols best since he has come back from injury. He has been uh, really inconsistent since starting the season, but again, uh, fans have short memories. If he can make it happen mm-hmm. in the Banjo Bowl, I think everything will be okay in Winnipeg. Yeah, like... If we take a look at the first four games that Strebler had this year, um, you know, we only had one game over 200 passing yards. Yeah. So let, let's maybe pump the brakes. He had 246 passing yards and 98 rushing yards. Uh, you know, the next week, 146 and 55. Like, yeah, six, six touchdowns, two interceptions. He's got four rushing touchdowns. That's great. Um, but you're not going to win a lot of ball games throwing for 150 yards. No. <laughs> like, I, I don't think he's the answer right now, especially when you have Matt Nichols. Uh, you know, Matt Nichols maybe just going through a rough patch, and, you know, the Saskatchewan defense tends to give everybody a rough time, it seems, as of late. So that could be it. But, yeah, I, I don't put, I don't even think about putting Chris Trevler in against this Ryder defense next week. I don't care if you're at home or not. But Nichols uh, came out of this game and took – responsibility by saying he didn't play good enough. Mm-hmm. So he didn't make any yep. bad headlines this time around, even though TSN actually at the beginning of the game apologized for taking his comments out of context the week before. Before we talk about Monday's Labor Day Classics, got to say thank you to ATB Financial. If uh, you've got yourself a small business, then are you looking to start one or build one? Um, ATB Financial's there for you, man. They've got the Entrepreneur Center there. So networking opportunities. A lot of times it's uh, not uh, what you know, it's who you know. So get uh, networking there, mentoring, workshops, uh, banking, all in one place, helping out entrepreneurs. they got locations in Calgary, Edmonton, Grand Prairie, and Lethbridge. And they got pop-up entrepreneur centers in different communities a month at a time. So atbentrepreneurcenter.com. It's atbentrepreneurcenter.com. We start with the early game. It is in Calgary. Stampeders and Eskimos. This one was a battle. It came down to the end. Rene Paredes, game-winning field goal, 23-20 was the final score there. The Stamps got out to a 10-3 lead, but then at halftime, the Eskimos were leading 17 13 because uh, in the second quarter, the Eskimo offense really started rolling here. It was a fun physical game to watch. Yeah, uh, you know, two two offenses that we know can move the football. They can both run. Uh, they both uh, have spectacular passing games. They're both receiving cores are, are really good. Uh, and then the top two receivers, or t- two of the top three receivers – in the CFL go down with injury. And it just seemed, for Edmonton, it, it seemed to, to take more of a toll than it did for Calgary. Um, that being said, I mean, Duke still put up 116. Uh, Gable, you know, 68 yards and 14 carries, 25, 25 uh, receiving yards. But Don Jackson, 115. DeVaris Daniels, 116 and a TD. Bo only throws for 255, but... You know, he he made the plays that he needed to make uh, on a bum knee and kept his team in it. Uh, The defense helped out a lot in that second half, and so did penalties for the Eskimos. Again, weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, Calgary just keeps trucking along, and, you know, it didn't, the injury to Kamar Jordan just did not seem to phase him nearly as much as the Darrell Walker injury did with Edmonton to me, anyway. 
But I, I honestly felt the opposite a little bit. Not completely. I think the Walker injury did hurt Edmonton a lot. But Calgary, when they're without Jordan, and they're also without Eric Rodgers, uh, I think they still have got some okay receivers there. Mark and Michelle uh, Breskison is... He's a good receiver. Uh, Sindani had to come into this one. He made two catches for 43 yards. But, man, they need Jordan and Rodgers in there. And they need a mobile Bo Levi Mitchell to be the Calgary Stampeders we expect them to be. This game was for the taking for the Eskimos, Mm -hmm. uh, with or without Darrell Walker. But the Esks... Three turnovers in four drives in the second half, and Calgary didn't really take advantage of those. So the Eskimo defense kept them in it, uh, and they didn't give up, you know, a football field worth of penalties. But I, I'm just saying with the turnovers, it just seemed like that offense oh, yeah. um, just didn't seem like it was completely in sync late in that game. I guess it, it, it maybe it didn't start with Darrell Walker going out, but as the game went on, it just seemed like they were out of sorts. It, the Eskimos had every opportunity to to win mm-hmm. the game because Calgary was not taking advantage of the Eskimos' mistakes, mistakes, and that's usually what Calgary does. And they could thank Hugh O'Neill. Not usually you get to thank a punter for for <laughs> keeping you in a football game. Oh yeah, but yeah. He had, he had two punts that you know. If Calgary wants to do anything, they've they're in the shadow of their own goalpost, um, and we both know in the CFL it's a game of field position, and those two punts from Hugh O'Neill were unbelievable. I said he should get the MOP award after after the one that went out at the one. That was that was ridiculous. You know what? Yeah, that's right. That was a big one uh, to keep Edmonton, uh, you know, in this game or at least uh, you know toe to toe with Calgary here. But Calgary is beatable. You just can't mm-hmm. make the stupid mistakes and then the stupid penalty. I know they didn't give up the football field worth of penalties, but the one that they took c- came in the fourth quarter. I think it was a sack on Bully by Mitchell. It was a stop, and the game was probably going to be headed to overtime, but they take an illegal contact on a receiver. It is Chris Edwards, the trademark uh, penalty that we seem to expect from him and extends the drive Calgary ends up getting into field goal range and winning the game how, how much longer do they keep Chris Edwards around this was probably his best game he had such mm-hmm. a strong game and it came down to the final drive in the fourth quarter where uh, all of a sudden all of the successes earlier in the game were forgotten about that that penalty those penalties it happened to every DB in the league, you know they it's bound do. to happen. You're you're bound to get beat. The timing is bad. The timing makes this way worse uh, than it actually is. But a few weeks ago, we talked about Jason Moss going on the coaches' show and saying that guys are going to start getting benched and and scratched if they're not going to adhere to discipline, if they're not going to play a disciplined football game. But yet every week. Chris Edwards goes out there. And, you know, I got no problem with the illegal contact, whatever. But the objectional conducts, the horse collars, the unnecessary roughness penalties that he takes are 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 something that, you know, need to be addressed. But Jason Moss isn't addressing them. Um, he is an American DB. He can be replaced with another one. It, it's not like he's a Canadian that we need, that they need to keep on the field. Something has to give, and, you know, it just makes Moss look like he doesn't have a backbone here by not doing something about Chris Edwards. To me, it, I, just, I just find it ridiculous. Um, some big performances in this game for big players, though. Don Jackson, 115 yards on the ground. DeVaris Daniels, mm-hmm. 116 yards and a touchdown. Almost identical to Duke Williams, who had 116 yards. Well, <laughs> and a touchdown, just Daniels had the the one more catch there. But there were two uh, interesting plays in the, the first half. One was a catch that extended a drive that I thought maybe touched the ground. And there was also a big... Maybe? And then then the big Don Jackson run as well, where he got rolled over and might have been down, but gets up 
and keeps running. Now, uh, <laughs> I, I just love that some uh, Eskimo fans think there's some conspiracy against them. It's terrible uh, CFL refing. This is why the Labor Day's in Calgary every year. The refs are against them. Well, hey, the, the Eskies had their least penalties uh, of the year uh, basically in this game. So <laughs> don't, don't go talking about yeah. that. The Eskimos give away enough free yards for themselves. But those two plays, what did you make of them? And I know there are some uh, people calling that, hey, now the league needs more challenges again. So I think they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. You, you can't have it both ways. Do you, do you want four-and-a-half-hour football games? Because we can do that and give coaches six challenges. Or we can just review every play. Yeah, every every play is under review. We'll get the exact spot. If there's a penalty, it can be called after the fact. Let's just do that. You know, just have these Yankee-Red Sox marathon games in the regular yeah. season in the middle of the summer. Let, let's do that. And then everybody will bitch and moan again. And then we'll have to change it again. And then when it, something happens that they don't like... Then they'll bitch and moan some more. That's all it is. The whining was more prominent, I think, when the challenges were in than they are mm-hmm. now. Uh, I guess it'll be. But uh, the whining comes when it's the rivalry games and when it's yep. who you're playing. I think that's a big part of it. And if your team is winning, if your team is winning, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, of course. But if your team if your team is losing, it's the end of the world when that happens. I, I do think coaches should have another challenge, but you should only get two if you get your first one right. It it, it just makes you know you want that you want you either are going to get that challenge. You can use your challenge in the first half, but you better hope you get it right so you have one for later, or you're saving it and you're only going to use one. I, I think Moss would have been better off served to challenge the Jackson run. I think it was worth a look. But I'd rather there be no challenges than more challenges. I mean, sports are played by humans, refed by humans. I would like to see fans get out there and make some of these calls on the fly, except, man. Except baseball needs a, a robotic strike zone. That, but then that that's takes the only, away. That's the only one I'll disagree with you with. I think that takes away pitch framing uh, from the good catchers in the league, though. Not to talk about baseball, but that's a skill. Yeah, but then look at the Little League World Series and the balls in the other batter's box, and it's called strike three. <laughs> hey, I, I think it's officiated by uh, humans, and uh, I think some one of the greatest moments in CFL history is because. Of a, a penalty, and that being the 13th man. I think it's part of the game, whatever. To me, when a guy makes a catch, and it's it scrapes the ground by maybe a millimeter, I don't really care about that. The, 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 if the ground was an inch shorter, he would have made the catch. I really don't think it changes the outcome of the games. What really decided the outcome of the games was the three turnovers and that dumb penalty late in the fourth quarter. But we'll see what happens at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday. The last game of the week was Toronto and Hamilton. The Tiger Cats win 42-28. to If you look at the stat sheet, you're thinking that Hamilton probably would have won or should have won by a lot more. The the Argos won the turnover battle, um, but <laughs> when they get turnovers, they made them count. They had what a hundred and nine yard, uh, you know, a fumble return for a touchdown. They had the big interception that uh, they they made count for a touchdown as well. Um, Hamilton got off to a fourteen nothing lead, but Toronto ties it up at fourteen. They're just such a scrappy team; they just couldn't quite close it off here. Uh, against Hamilton. Uh, you know, McLeod, Macbeth, as you, as we've heard him called, and you finally caught on to that. Okay, uh, I'm, okay I'm okay with the Macbeth. <laughs> when, when you're only throwing at a 48.3% clip, it's a little tough to win football games. Yeah. Um, you know, and no touchdowns. He did throw the one pick. Um, Dar- that, Darby had a hell of a game for Toronto. He did. Um, you know, they, they probably deserved a little better in this one, but I mean, you can't really fault, um, can't really fault McLeod Bethel Thompson like this, this Hamilton defense is, is underrated. I think, I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. And 
you know, at some point your offense needs to, to score, but with a rookie quarterback in there, it's a little tough. Toronto was in the driver's seat and then gave up 18 points. And that, a lot of that, you know, yeah, maybe they should have, maybe the offense should have stayed on the field a little longer, but the defense, if you're going to allow 18 points in a quarter, you're probably going to lose that football game. Oh, Hamilton just got off to such a, uh, a quick start. And then the momentum just went in Toronto's direction. They had the two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And then Hamilton was taking touchdowns uh, or penalties left and right. Even Delvin Bro got into the party there taking penalties. There was a great segment, uh, details of Derek Taylor, who covered him. He's an amazing cornerback in this league. Yeah, and people are, like, maybe not physically, maybe not physically scared of him. He's not going to lay the big hits, but mentally he is in that quarterback's head. And, you know, you're going to spend time game planning and to, to throw, to, to have plays that go away from Delvin bro. And I thought Hamilton did a really good job of kind of moving him around. Um, when they did take him off corner though, you know, he did take that penalty against SJ green. I don't know about that one. That one seemed a little weird, but I mean, if yeah. they they do a good job of not necessarily hiding him, but you know, giving different looks and you know, really, once a quarterback sees where he is, that eliminates that eliminates that side of the field, and you know, it it can severely affect an offense. Well, we call Bethel Thompson Macbeth, which I actually really like. That uh, you mm-hmm. need to reveal your uh, Shakespeare chops. <laughs> oh, I do. Do I? You do. I did not well, know this Engl- about you. <laughs> in English in grade twelve, so it'd been English B thirty because we had to take two Englishes, right? Yeah. Um, I got ninety eight percent on the Hamlet final. What did you do? And I didn't cheat. I did. I did not cheat. You promise? I I swear to God. Is that the best you've ever done on exam? An exam? No. On okay. a final, yes. Well, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a class final. It was just a unit final. Okay. But the only thing I've ever cheated at was crib with my grandpa, because he <laughs> cheated more than I did. So I had to cheat to even it up. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. There's Macbeth. They. they I hope Shinetti really produces a pregame feature on this guy with Shakespeare in mind. <laughs> you got nothing to say? I I got nothing. <laughs> I, I I would love to see that happen, and then you know Shinetti be in it, still wearing his Chuck Taylors. <laughs> well, he had some sick Labor Day classic Chuck Taylors too. Yeah, but Matt Dunnigan's shoes are a hundred times better. But what about this rivalry? At the beginning of this game, there was this kid wearing Argos gear. Mm-hmm. Would not share popcorn with a baby wearing Ty Cats gear. Okay, a babies probably shouldn't have popcorn. It's a choking hazard. B babies are filthy. They got their hands in their mouth all the time. They're full of drool, and they just, no. I don't share food with babies. It's gross. Good on that kid. He is he 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 knows the rules. Like, you know, you get your own popcorn. In hockey, you don't share water bottles so you don't get mono. I don't need to get whatever this kid has that he brought home from daycare. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but children are basically Petri dishes. Uh, don't slam the baby, man. Don't slam the baby. <laughs> well, I mean, the the guy that I used to, the couple I used to live with, Taylor had to take off three days of work. And I'm like, oh, what, what, are you sick? He's like, yeah, Jovi brought home hand, foot, and mouth disease. I'm like, well, yeah, she goes to daycare. Of course she brought that home. Hand, what, she foot, bring home and for mouth a... disease? Yeah, what did she bring home for a craft that day? Like a little popsicle stick house? Like, man, kid, yeah, he's going to the heebie-jeebies. Like I watch kids put everything in their mouth, and then they put their hands in their mouth, and they touch something else. And it's like, now i got to go pick that up, but I don't want anything to do with it. And it's... Like, if that baby would have put its hand in my popcorn, I probably would have thrown the popcorn out. <laughs> I thought only cows got hand, foot, and mouth disease. Well, hey, man, two pitchers, well, one pitcher on the Mets, one pitcher on the Yankees got it, and apparently it was going around daycare. Oh, wow. So, what are the yeah. kids getting into, man? 
Yeah, it's like they put their hands in their mouth or something, and you know they got bare feet and they're playing with their feet all the time. <laughs> or, or it could just be the cat crap in the sandbox outside that they play in. Yeah, that's probably it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's back to football. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Okay, the the Toronto receiving core could look very different in a few weeks, so they need to get some wins to stay in the race in the East because Montreal is coming on here. Now, of course, they've got S.J. Mm-hmm. Green, who had eight targets but only two catches for 41 yards. I'm not going to blame all of that on him. But then, in a couple weeks, they've got Deron Carter joining. Devere Posey was cut loose by the Baltimore Ravens. I know a few teams are looking at him, B.C., without Manny mm-hmm. Arsenal for the rest of the season. So they're probably going to try and bring him in. But if they can get Posey, Deron Carter, and S.J. Green... And, I mean, they've got Ryan Bombin in the receiving core now. <laughs> and, dude, he looked like he ran a great route. He looked like he knew what he was doing. And he caught the ball with his hands, didn't let it hit his body. Oh, he did great. Like, that was great one, form. One every three years. Yep. So, I, I hope he still plays for another uh, three years. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> so we can get another one because, you know, here on 2-0, we like the big man touchdowns. But I guess we got to talk about uh, the winning team here. J- Jeremiah Mazzoli throws for almost 400 yards. He had three touchdowns, the interception. Um, Alex Green, touchdown machine. Um, since he's been back in the lineup, he is just racking up the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had another two here, 115 yards. Brandon Banks massive game and late in the game I thought it looked kind of foolish that he took the missed field goal out of the end zone but (laughs) then they drive the ball 108 yards and score a touchdown to Brandon Banks anyway so we had two touchdowns Tasker had a huge game 143 and a touchdown but we'll see how this receiving core recovers Jalen Saunders leaves the game. I think it ended up being reported that it was a sprained MCL, so hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later, but they were able to torch that Argonaut defense. Yeah, having two two receivers over 100 yards, uh, you know, they had three touchdowns between the two of them. Alex Green, huge in the rush game, like you said, with two touchdowns, 115. Um, you know, the, spreading the ball around, you know, they're pat, they, they pass well, they're running the ball well now, Um you know, June Jones with that run and shoot uh, has just totally transformed this team from what Ken Austin had it doing, which was, you know, nothing, more or less. Um, and with Jalen Saunders going down, they still have guys like Mike Jones and, and Terrence Tolliver, who, you know, you would expect a little more from Terrence Tolliver with, with the big body that he is. But those two guys showed up tonight. You know, Mike Jones only had the one target, makes a catch, you know, makes a play. Tolliver with 43 on three catches, three targets. Um, you know, these guys are able to step in and fill in those roles uh, when guys go down. Chris Williams being out was huge as well. Um, but this team just finds a way week in and week out. And, you know, Banks, again, we see, you know, if he's not if he's not catching the ball, he's blocking for teammates. Uh, he was the lead block on the Luke Tasker touchdown. Uh, we saw that in the Edmonton game as well with Duke Williams in the red zone um, laying a huge block for C.J. Gable. These guys are, are willing to to help the offense in any way it seems necessary, and you know that just helps an offense gel even more. Uh, unlike Toronto's receiving core when they bring Jerron Carter and they'll all start to hate each other. <laughs> it, this should be mentioned about June Jones, and I didn't know this until today. But when he came on last year and took over as head coach, he said, you do not have to pay me unless we make the playoffs. It's like, hey, June, you know you're 0-8, right? <laughs> and Could you imagine? Oh, so the Ticats are like, uh, we're going to pay you. They should have took him up on his offer, though, with you know the new cap coming in on the coaches and personnel. Man, if you could mm-hmm. get a guy to coach your team for free... That's saving yourself a lot of money. Maybe Montreal could get the same deal from Cavis Reed as the general manager. <laughs> hey, two in a row, baby, two in a row. So they pay <laughs> <laughs> they pay uh, him $100,000, and he donates it all 
to charities in uh, southern Ontario and back in Hawaii. So that's an amazing story, and I, I feel like this should have been uh, talked about more last year, but the guy just seems like a humble guy, and I just absolutely love that. I, I get the feeling you don't really want to talk about your fantasy team this week. Uh, if we have to, we can. <laughs> we don't have to. I, I have a big fat I'm not, zero. I'm not in the lead anymore, so. You're not, and I, I, I kind of want to talk about our private group just a little bit because yeah. we've got some good players in there, but uh, I had the dumbest pick of the week, Lawrence Pittman, which they were saying was going to be the starter in Montreal, and we didn't talk about Ryder Stone as much as we should have, but Lawrence Pittman does nothing, and Ryder Stone had a nice game for the Alouettes. Maybe he's going to be the guy while Tyrell Sutton is out. I I think that's a pretty safe bet at this point, yep. Yeah, so, hey, there's another cheap running back to get to some value, possibly, at the running back position, Ryder Stone, um, which, by the way, great name. Um, you don't get much better than that. Um... Yeah, nothing's really coming to mind right now. <laughs> 14 carries for 81 yards and a catch for three yards. So if you had Ryder Stone, good for you. But uh, this fantasy league uh, that we've got going on here, uh, you're in it. Uh, Empire Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast is in it. Uh, my wife is, is leading in it. now. Yeah, my wife, I'm actually beating her by 18 points. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you shouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> Between 1st and 10th, there's 53 points separating us. It's a dogfight. Yeah, what is this, the CFL West Division? <laughs> That's exactly uh, what it is. But uh, what made you mad about your lineup this week? I'll let you rant. Uh, okay, uh, Kalaros, terrible. Uh, <laughs> Trey Mason, Terrible. Kamar Jordan gets hurt. Tolliver does nothing. Hamilton defense, I put them in instead of Toronto. Give me one point. Uh, William Powell, 13.1. Probably should have been around 20 points if he would have got uh, the touchdown that he rightly deserved in the red zone. Um, you know, but whatever. It's three straight weeks of picking Zach Claros and three straight weeks of being disappointed uh, in my quarterback spot on my roster. Uh, hey, why don't wins count? Why don't wins count on fantasy? <laughs> oh my God! Don't get me started on quarterback wins. Um, I had three. I had three straight weeks of over 100 points coming into this, and I ended today with 56.3, and I went from first to fourth. Fantasy football is stupid. I don't even like it. <laughs> Do you feel better now? No, now I just opened up old wounds. I'd almost forgot about how bad of a week I had. This is like when somebody tweets about the 06 Stanley Cup final, and I hadn't thought about it for like two months. Like, ah, oh, I just forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that up and opening up that scar. You just brought it up for yourself. Yeah, I know, because I saw a tweet about it today. You're a glutton for punishment, my friend. Well, I am an Oilers fan. And I'm a glutton. I don't, I don't get why we need people bashing the KFC oh. popcorn chicken poutine. Because, A, it looks disgusting. Okay, um, you, you don't like gravy. But here's the thing, man. If you have one popcorn chicken poutine, if you have one popcorn chicken poutine and you have a heart attack, you're probably in worse shape than... <laughs> that, that one poutine did not cause that. Like I might have a heart attack if I eat a salad because my body would just be in shock. Um, <laughs> speak, speaking of gluttons, today... I literally had four seven ten mil bottles of Coke, an entire <laughs> an entire bag of Chip Chips Ahoy uh, chocolate chip cookies, half a bag of salt and vinegar chips, uh, a whole box of like those toffee things, like the hazelnut <laughs> toffee face, things. so good. Yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. And then I had supper. I found microwavable scallop potatoes at Co-op. You just they come like pre-packaged, and you throw. Oh, forget it. I ate the whole thing. Oh, I love Labor Day. So what did I have? KD, salt and vinegar Ugh. chips. Hey, now we're talking. Some Coke. But I started the day with some oatmeal and apples. So I, I actually had some healthy stuff. But Oh, the, I had I had four pieces of peanut butter toast for breakfast when I got out of bed. But that's exactly it. So one popcorn chicken poutine is going to kill us? I don't think so, man. <laughs> no. 
the, the amount of crap that I've put in my body from 7-Eleven should have killed me long ago. If if Tyrell has a popcorn chicken poutine, that'd be the most healthiest thing he's eaten in months. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> <I'm>, now... <laughs> Now that I actually have a kitchen and a, and a, and a grill, I can actually cook. Um, 98% of what I buy, though, I can microwave. Okay. That's the way to live, man. So, That's the way to live. So, so, so all, all I really use the grill for is the chicken. And then I just have microwavable rice cups and microwavable vegetables. How much are you going to weigh when you get to Edmonton? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cutting weight. Okay. I think we're going to meet I, in the middle somewhere. Maybe. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 190. Come Grey Cup. Okay. Bank, you can bank that. <laughs> we'll have the weigh-in before and after Grey Cup to see what happens. <laughs> Shirts on or off at the weigh-in. <laughs> Tarps optional. Tarps optional. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. Uh, there's a podcast in the network for everybody, so check it out, albertapodcastnetwork.com. we got the Blue in the Face podcast. Chris is uh, focusing on art, culture, music, and food in Alberta that is having an impact locally, nationally, and even internationally. Anybody that talks about food is cool in my book, so check that out and all the other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm going to have myself a popcorn, chicken, poutine, Brazilian tie. I'll talk to you, and we'll talk to all of you on Thursday morning. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.